welcome to this week's edition of the ASF Scots in Us podcast, Edinburgh Festival Spotlight 2021. Edinburgh in August is festival month, and even with all the challenges of the pandemic, the city is mid a great in-person and virtual celebration of the arts. This week, we have managed to catch a few minutes with leading members of the Edinburgh Festival community for updates. I begin by speaking with Francesca Hoyt, Executive Director of the Edinburgh International Festival. And then Wendy McEwen spoke with comedian and musician Paul Connolly, a member of the highly successful Spontaneous Potter production, making a return to the fringe this year. He gives us insight into how he and his fellow artists are feeling this year. Anthony Alderson, President of the Pleasant Theatre Trust, then joins us to speak of how it is different this year with less program performances, but opportunity to try new and different presentations. And then I speak with Sarah Carey, director of the Edinburgh Arts Festival, which has brought together over 35 exhibits in galleries and museums throughout the city. And we learn of the commissioned exhibit of Isaac Julian on Frederick Douglass, which is making such a large impact at the National Galleries of Scotland. And finally, we share with you a performance from Shamak of music and art fused together, which the Pleasant Theatre is um, putting on. And now join me in conversation with Francesca Hoyt, Executive Director of the Edinburgh International Festival. Francesca, good morning, and so lovely to grab you for a few minutes with the festival underway. We just wanted a chance to catch up with you and hear from you about how everything's coming along um, and any um, exciting news updates. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's lovely to talk to you. It's uh... Believe it or not, it's a sunny afternoon here in Edinburgh, so <laughs> you've timed it pretty well. And I don't know if you can hear the bagpipes in the background, but it's, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely festival time now. So it's going really well. We had our opening weekend just gone. So we had our opening concert and some of our first nights and they've all gone really, really well. Um, and so I guess the first thing that's different this year is our outdoor venues. So we've... Uh, moved the majority of our programme outdoors this year into three specially, specially constructed uh, uh, outdoor pavilions. And I think when we talked about it previously, I think people perhaps had in mind the idea of a marquee or something, but they are really enormous. And if you go onto the, the, the EIF website, you can, you can see some of them. And one of the loveliest things has been to see people walking, walking through into the site and seeing them and kind of thinking, wow, look at them. They're kind of cathedral-like in their enormity. So, so that's, been, that's been lovely to see. And just seeing people coming back to, to live performance, really, because it's the first time for many of our audiences that they've actually been in a live performance arena for 18 months or so. So it's, it's just fantastic to see people back. Francesca, um, when we were talking to the Pleasants last time, um, they were saying that their programming is a fraction of what they would normally do um, with the Fringe. Um, has, uh, uh, is your programming cut back a lot this year? 
It's, it's come back a little. It's probably about two thirds the size of what we would do in a normal year. So we've got something like, I don't know, 170 different performances happening. What the thing that's particularly different is our audience capacities are much, much smaller. So we probably only have about a quarter of the audience size that we would have normally because we're still adhering to social distancing here. So our, our, our venues are capacious but our audience is is not is beautifully spaced out <laughs> i think that these new venues and this outdoor pavilions that you've created are, sound as if they might be something you stay with in years to come <laughs> i love this i love the outdoor element well i mean yeah there is there's lots of very good things about them and i think and interestingly, we're seeing perhaps a slightly different demographic come to our outdoor um, our outdoor venues, possibly slightly younger, which is really interesting. But we've got lots of kind of learning to do about it. And obviously, one of the things is the weather in Edinburgh isn't always as beautifully sunny as it is this afternoon. And so yesterday I was sitting in one of the outdoor venues with the rain splattering around me. <laughs> Dry, because we're under cover, but nonetheless. So, so, you know, we'll have a look at it and we'll have a think about it. I think we are also just desperate to get back into our normal venues in the city yeah. um, because it's been a little while since we've been able to use them fully although we're in we're in some of them this year so um, we'll see how the out, outdoor venues work but but no promises yet wool blankets the, the you know good scottish wool blanket would do wonders for yeah. a bit of tar <laughs> never did anyone any harm <laughs> um so um it's all work going along wonderfully and it's exciting and everybody and the artists are back, which is great. And um, can you tell us of any events that we can watch that are being streamed or um, made available a, a few days afterwards that we can yeah. catch up with? Yeah, we have a whole range of, um, of, of, of performances that we are capturing so that you can see them online. So if you go onto the website and click on at home, you'll be able to see the whole range of what we've got. So some of them you'll be able to see live or almost live. And then some of them we're, we're facing over a number of weeks and months. So when it's in this sort of dark winter months, you can pop onto the website and see some of the performances that perhaps if you didn't get a chance to come to Edinburgh this year that you missed, you can see them online there. So some of them are going through to spring next year. So there's a whole programme, a whole digital programme that you can dip into over the coming months. Um, and it's not as if one um, uh, play or production rather will be running for the whole four weeks, they may be for two weeks of the festival and so there's quite a large array of different performances going on. Um, that's right there's a whole there's a whole there's a whole range of them and they're, and they're also free to view online I should say so so it's well worth just going onto the website and having a look. This is lovely. Well, thank you so much for carving out a few minutes. I've heard the bagpipes in the background. I feel closer to Edinburgh than ever. Um, and I hope that we can catch up in the coming months and hear more because it really is a year round effort. And um, we look forward to being with you in person next year. Well, that would be great because next year is, as you know, our 75th anniversary. So it's a big year for us. And also, um, I can't tell you what we're programming, obviously, but all I'll say is that there's quite a significant um, American presence in the programme. So I think it's probably worth us checking back in a few months. 
No, absolutely. So look forward to catching up soon and, um, and you know, have a wonderful rest of the festival. We're so thank you very thank much you for all you're doing for us. No problem. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. And now Wendy McEwen in conversation with comedian and artist Paul Connolly, a member of the highly successful production Spontaneous Potter. They're making a return to the fringe this year, and she catches up with him to find out a little bit more about how the artists are finding the fringe this year. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. We have with us Paul Connolly, actor and improviser who is performing, let me get this right, Spontaneous Potter, the unofficial improvised parody at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe this year. Paul, thank you for joining us and give you, giving us an insight into how things are at the festival this year. So everybody has heard about the Harry Potter books and films, and there's even a Broadway show now. Maybe you could start off by telling us a little bit about what the improvised show is about. Uh, yeah, sure. So we, uh, the Spontaneous Players, it's the group that do the show, we do an improvised Harry Potter fan fiction. So what we do is we go to the audience and we say, hey, what's a fan fiction that you really wanted to see? What's the title of a story that you really wanted to see? We choose one of those and then we create a brand new adventure before the eyes. It's a show that's never been seen before and it's never going to be seen again. So it's a different show every night. Exactly, yeah. Every time we perform, it's a brand new show and it's the, the show that we in the room create. So it sounds like you need quite a bit of audience participation in the show. Do you see that being different this year with how your venues are set up? I think there's there's going to be some difference. Certainly in the type of show that we do, we tend to get the main interaction at the start where we get the idea for the title of the show. So normally what we do is we get people to write down suggestions on bits of paper and then pull them out of the hat. Now obviously we can't do that aspect so we tweak that part every so often. In terms of the main show itself, I think as long as people are engaged, that's the main thing for us and certainly that's the aspect I think that's going to be there no matter what. Yeah, and do you feel like with the, the smaller audiences, obviously it's going to be a smaller amount of people in the venues this year, it will be a different kind of show in terms of maybe more intimate with a smaller group of people? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic. So we've had the, the pleasure to do a couple of performances in June down in Corby. And one of the things we found is that because people are spaced out a lot more, so you've not only got the smaller audience, but they're kind of a bit more spaced out. They're in their, their little bubbles spread out in the room. And people are slightly hesitant to maybe shout or to, to laugh mm -hmm. in the same way, just because they're aware of the, the science of things that's happening. So it you you have that i don't want to call it a barrier as such but there's that certain extra thing where you have to make sure you're you're reaching the person in the back of the room you know we always talk about as a performer you're not performing for the person who's sitting at the front who got the great seat and can see the whole action you're performing for the person at the very back who maybe arrived late or whatever it was and is, is all the way back there so you're having to make sure you're you're communicating to them so i think that's the the one difference we find is that we have to make sure to get that energy out there for everybody who's in the room mm -hmm. 
And have your, your group done any other activities that are different pre or post show because of COVID restrictions or different things going on with the festival this year? So just in terms of sort of activities that we've been doing with performing the show, it's, it's interesting. So I think we've all kind of taken different approaches in terms of what we've done in the year and a bit. Some of us have done the streaming side of things. So doing mm -hmm. improv on, on Zoom or other platforms. Some of us took a bit of a break, you know, it was more of a case of saying, okay, this isn't quite the medium that I'm used to performing in. So I'm going to wait until we can do something that's a bit more like that. I've kind mm -hmm. of ended up slightly in that camp. So my, my thing has been more just connected with other performers and freelancers out with improv, which has been very useful as well to so make those wider connections. Mm -hmm. And what's in store for, for, what are you most excited about for the coming months now that lockdown has been lifted in Scotland and what's in store for comedy lovers in Scotland? So I think the, the main thing that everybody who's involved with performance, it doesn't matter if you're doing improv or if you're doing theater, acting, dance, comedy, whatever it might be, this is our craft. This is the reason we do this is because this is what we feel we're on earth to do, right? This is our, our thing that brings us joy and brings us pleasure. So just being able to get back to actually doing that is going to be the big thing. Getting back in the room with, with audiences, feeling that connection again. I mean, how many of us have felt disconnected from loved ones, from work colleagues, from, from society as a whole. That's going to be one of the big things in terms of getting back in the room with other people, feeling that energy in the room and having that kind of dialogue almost just with people. You know, it, it, it's one of those things it's hard to actually quantify. You can't objectively say this is what it means to be in a room with people. This is the, the exact emotions you can go feel through. But you feel that difference you feel that difference and so just getting back there getting around seeing people having the chance to to bring joy to people so it's certainly mm -hmm. one of the yeah. pleasures doing comedy is for the hour or the, the two hours that you're with us and, for, and first of all you're giving over your time you know you're giving us your money which is wonderful as well and obviously it's a, a difficult thing in these times as well but you're also giving your time and i think that's one thing we've learned over the past year Time is precious. So the fact that you give us your time, that means a whole whole lot to us. We want to provide you some of the most joy you can have in that time. However long you're with us, just for, forget about what's happening outside. Maybe things aren't great for whatever reason, or maybe even you are going through an okay time, but just to have that time where we can just be, let's have fun together. That's the thing I'm going to look forward to going back, going around the country, uh, going around the UK, being in rooms with people again and being able to do that and bring that joy and for them to bring the joy to me because as i say this is what i do it's reciprocal yes yeah. yeah and i think it's going to be an interesting festival this year because the festival is not going to have the quantity of international visitors so it's going to be a lot of scots watching scots yeah well it's, it's a really fascinating to know so Obviously, you do have the UK wide scene, so you will yes. have the potential for, and I do know some friends from, as we refer to it, south of the border, that's uh, right. those who are English based and Welsh based, who will be coming up for, for some of the fringe, but it is a much smaller uh, event it's going to be. And, and that's not a surprise to anybody, you know, 
I remember doing fringe shows where you're in a tiny room and you've got 50, you basically a cupboard that you've got 50 people packed into or. Right, because there were all those venues before. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And and you could do that. You could do it. I performed, I remember when we did Spontaneous Charlotte, which is another show that our group does. We were in a, a big dance club and it was like 350 people. I mean, they're, they're, they're sitting up on the fire escapes and all this kind of stuff, just being all crammed in. You can't have those kind of shows. So the shows we are going to have, it is going to be that slightly different dynamic. It is that more in a, in a, intimate in a different way because it's not going to be as many people there. It's going to, there's something that becomes a little bit more precious in those moments because we know we're not going to be able to be with everybody we'd want to be with in these rooms. Yes. We won't have those international people. We won't have those international acts. So the moments that we do get to have together to perform and to, to see this stuff is going to be precious. And certainly in terms of the venues as well, that's going to be one of the ones that looks very interesting is a joint venture with Gilda Balloon, who spontaneous will be performing with at this fringe um traverse dance space zoo and i think another venue who i forget off the top of my head but they're doing they're converting a multi-story car park into a big performance venue that's so it's all going to be open air areas. so it's all open air so the very top of it is accessible from the street level and then the layers that are the actual you know the kind of interior car parking there's going to be loads of stuff called multi-story and that kind of thing looks phenomenal, which mm. you can understand in normal times. You wouldn't have done something like that necessarily because you would have had so many indoor spaces. So right. seeing these outdoor spaces being used is going to be really fun and fascinating. Yeah, well, I think it would be great if you could make some reports back to us on how the festival's changed this year, what you've noticed, things like that. And also, we'd love to hear how your audience felt about your shows this year. That would be really nice to hear. Well, um, it was wonderful to talk to you today, Paul. Um, thank you so much for joining us. If anyone is lucky enough to be in Edinburgh, they can see Paul at the Gilded Balloon TV the last week of August. And for those of you who can't see Paul, we are happy to be able to run a clip now to show him, to show you some of his performances. Thank you. Thank you. Because you've not been loyal enough. Oh, I love you like a son. Is it your real name or a secret code name? What? Well, is it your actual name you're going to give me or a, a discreet little gnome by this name so nobody knows I came into this particular establishment sort of name? Why do you put this mask on? You never just... That's our first kiss. I know, we've had such a crap fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm but one student here. 
Hogwarts wasn't founded by one person alone, it was founded by four people. We have more than four in this school now, and every one of you is cool. Every one of you can stand up and fight a dragon. Even Longbottom. <laughs> Not even you. Especially you. On the brick of the erection. Ah, oh, I was gonna sing some more. The contents. I like you. I don't like you. What if if it was one person who was the who was the brick, then then if they died, then the brick is gone. So what if it's not about the person themselves? Position. No, and nobody ever notices because we're just in the background. Yes, we're layered like a lasagna. What the fuck are you doing? Get away! We're literally in the background. <laughs> I followed every one of your so-called rules. He makes them up. He changes them. He always changes them. Well done. I realised that every day the rules were changed, and I jumped through hoop after hoop. Yes. You even went in the cupboard, as I recall. You played God for years. You drove me mad. He made you wish you could be someone else, didn't he? It's just a teaching position. Listen, this is already very confusing. It's simple. He drove me mad because he made up rules and regulations. I saw for the last it's... ten years to pick up a plan to get him into Azkaban. I have put that plan into effect, and now... Yes, your time. And there's no dark lord, no Voldemort. It's just you on your own. That's not even a real fucking tattoo. I trusted you because I thought I couldn't trust you. And now we catch up with one of the leading figures of the fringe for the past 30 years, Anthony Alderson. He is president of the Pleasant Theatre Trust and also past vice chairman of the Fringe. He spoke with us a few weeks ago as they prepared for the Fringe, and now we find out how everything is going. Anthony, good morning. Or rather, I should say good afternoon as it is with you. Um, it's wonderful that you've made the time to join us today, given that the festival is already underway. Um, would you like to start off just by telling us how the first few days of the festival have gone? They've been wonderful, but weird. I mean, weirdly small and but beautifully formed. I mean, we, we, we would normally be opening 33 venues and we'd do a massive great press launch on the Saturday. But this year, we're only opening five venues um, and in fact on our first day we only presented three shows instead of 270 shows so as you can imagine it does feel a little strange however walking in through the gates of the pleasance it looks and feels the same the audience look and feel the same the shows look and feel the same and it's got the same rather wonderful atmosphere but isn't it rather like when we did our uh, this very small show at Brown Park, it felt like coming out of a cocoon. Oh, it's it's. I cannot tell you how wonderful it is to see yeah. the first person come walking through the gate, and it. I mean, the festival it does it every year. You 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 get the thing ready, and at ten o'clock on day one, 
this trickle of people starts coming through the gate and they come for 27 days and on the last day they trickle out again and that's it well this is no different and and the spirit the the, the important thing for me is that we've raised the flag and the spirit is there the pleasance is here in edinburgh and people won't forget about us no and i think that far this power of zoom and the way we're now connecting we're able to hear from you around the world. We're able to carry our, our news items to our community in a way we never were before. And I hope that this is going to help me get even greater amounts of people arriving in Edinburgh next year. But I don't think we're going to go away and stop using this new way of, of letting people know what's going on and being a part of it if they can't be there. And I, I think that's... I, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I think that um, human beings, we seem to adopt new behaviours so quickly and it's rather exciting that we can do that. And, I, you know, to be able to have this, this call, you know, over the distances we are um, is really exciting. And you're absolutely right. You know, this now means that meetings can happen more quickly. We can have a board which is truly international that doesn't have to travel halfway around the world to sit in a meeting. We can transport work from one side of the world to the other in a way that we couldn't before. It will never replace live work. It will never replace live work and nor should it. But maybe there's a brand new genre in there waiting to be found. But it's, for instance, I was just talking to the Edinburgh International and they were talking about their new outdoor spaces they put together. And I think this is rather like the outdoor dining and everything. I think this is a wonderful new aspect. And so I think that this will just grow it in different ways. But before, because uh, I know you're so busy today, we have you for a short time. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the shows that are available online or that are streamed or will be available a few days afterwards? Absolutely. Well, we have a, so our full programme is about 40 shows. 12 of them are online. Um, they have been created with a number of partners, including Falmouth University in Cornwall. We've had seven shows be, be down there being recorded in a studio. They were put out as live. One of them, um, a, a number of them with, 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 partners from other theatres around the country. Um, there's a lovely show um, called Shamanic, which um, I've sent you a clip of, and they are a Scottish company. They're supported by Made in Scotland, um, which is a fund through the Fringe Society that comes from Creative Scotland. And they're a band, but there is this wonderful painter called Maria Rudd, who in a live setting, paints on a piece of glass that is then projected onto and mapped all over the sides of the buildings. And we did that back in June, and it's an hour and a half long concert, but you get to see the Pleasance Courtyard in a way that you will have never seen it before. Um, and this rather extraordinary concert um, that also um, features Rula Lenska, the actor, actress Rula Lenska, who is featured as part of it. It's, it's wonderfully, um, it's it's just totally out there it's just it's a wonderful wonderful piece of art and it do you know what this is the only year we could do it in 
because the rest of the year we would be otherwise we'd be building the venue at that time we'd never have the time to record it we'd never get the courtyard empty to itself so i thought well why not let's try and create something in a space in the one year when we could it's the only year in which we could do it and you become a hybrid because of course the art festival is going on at this time so yeah this is art this is this is and it's online you know so it's uh, it's it's really glorious so i hope your audiences get a chance to see it because it's truly now, great you're premiering that on the 16th of august it, it goes up online on the 16th of august via the fringe society it's called the fringe player which is on the fringe society which is in fact where all of the pleasance online program will be and um, yeah, you can see uh, you can see it from the 16th. The online program, the rest of the online program started um, at the beginning of the festival. Um, and I don't have the program in front of me, otherwise I'd tell you more about it. But I honestly, there is so much going around in my head at the moment. I can't, I can't actually tell you anything else that's in it without reading it. And I've suddenly found I don't have the program next to me. But I'm so delighted that we've been able to connect with you in this way. Um, as you said to us last time, this is a year-round effort, putting yeah. it together um, and all the collaborations that go on uh, with our own 59th Street Theatre here in New York that comes across each year normally to all the different rep companies to Cornwall and everything else. So um, we look forward to catching up with you again shortly. Um, but now we're going to hear from Shamanic. Um, and um, our wonderful artist, Maria Rudd. Maria Rudd. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, and we'll see you soon. Great, thank you. Yeah. The Edinburgh Art Festival is the newest member of the Edinburgh Festival, joining in 2006 and bringing together over 35 galleries, museums in an explosion of art throughout the city. We catch up with Serica Carey, director of the Edinburgh Art Festival, to tell us more of all things art. Serica, good morning and thank you for joining us. Um, we're at a time when you must be so busy with the art festival now underway. Um, could we begin by maybe you giving us an update and background to the history of the art festival, which um, began in 2004? Yes, absolutely. So we're the youngest of Edinburgh's August festivals, and we were founded in 2004 to offer a dedicated platform for visual arts within Edinburgh's summer festival offerings. So um, Edinburgh's festivals, of course, are famous the world over and, and very well known for their um, theatre and live performance um, that, that take place here in the city. But in 2004, the, the leading galleries and contemporary art spaces across the city came together to found um, a, a, a platform to showcase visual arts within that amazing cultural celebration that we have within the city. And Edinburgh, as I'm sure you will know, has an amazing visual arts scene all year round. We have a, we of course have the Scottish National Gallery and the National Gallery of Modern Art. We have the Queen's Gallery, but we also have a wonderful contemporary art spaces like the Fruit Market Gallery, Talbot Rice, and 
um, dedicated production spaces such as the Sculpture Workshop, Edinburgh Sculpture Workshop or Edinburgh Printmakers. So that amazing collection of institutions comes together every year to, to work collaboratively, to share programme and showcase the work of visual artists. And um, in this incredibly challenging time that we've been going through, how has it changed how the 2021 art festival is for you? Because for some of them, it, for some of the uh, production producers, such as the Pleasants, they say that they're, uh, they're doing like a fifth of what they normally would be doing. Um, so it has affected them. But you have, it seems, a huge program underway. Yeah, we we have been fortunate, I think, in the visual arts sector. Museums and galleries were able to open for periods last year, and we have established some really robust uh, ways of making sure that audiences can still come to visit us safely. So our programme is, is certainly smaller than it would be in a normal year, but not as significantly smaller as it has been for the performing arts festivals. So we, this year we have a programme of about 35 exhibitions. Uh, in another year, we would have more like 45 or 50 exhibitions across the programme. So slightly smaller programme. Um, and I think that perhaps the most important difference that audiences may feel is that the experience obviously of visiting museums and galleries has changed. So um, we've always been a wonderful festival, I think, that kind of wraps around other programme that you could pop into a museum or a gallery and, and see an exhibition perhaps in between a, um, different theatre productions. This year, we, we are asking audiences to book in advance if possible, but if there is capacity and you're dropping in, we will do our very best to welcome you. And of course, we are making sure that we're managing the capacity of audiences quite carefully through the gallery spaces and asking everyone to wear masks and be careful with sanitizing their hands and so on. Uh, so, I mean, it's wonderful. It feels so important to be able to be back open, to be sharing art with audiences again, but also to be able to do it in a way that feels safe um, and, and builds confidence for our audiences too. So within the art festival each year, you also do have a curated aspect. So the galleries, they do their own thing, but then there is this by invitation opportunity for some major exhibits. And this year at the National Galleries of Scotland, Isaac Julian has an exhibit, uh, and but it's ten short films. Is that correct? Would you it's a, and speak to that? Yes, it's so. Uh, firstly, just to contextualise it, you're absolutely right that one of the things that is at the centre of the festival every year is a commissioning programme, and we're very committed to sharing new work by artists at all stages of their careers um, uh, at a range of different venues across the city. And we're um, honoured to be working in partnership with the with the uh, National Galleries of Scotland to present uh, this wonderful um, UK premiere of Isaac Julian's Lessons of the Hour at the Scottish National Gallery of Modern Art. It's an extraordinary 10 screen film installation. So Isaac, when he was making the work, was very much thinking about this uh, salon style of picture hanging where you would hang pictures, you know, sort of very densely and at different heights in the 19th century. And when you enter the gallery space at the Scottish National Gallery of Modern Art, you see 10 screens suspended in space. 
And then this film portrait of Frederick Douglass, who was an extraordinary campaigner um, against slavery um, and uh, himself formerly an enslaved man. Uh, he, the, Isaac Julian has made this very poetic portrait, which is exploring his, his life and his legacy. And the film is, is filmed in part here in Edinburgh and in East Lothian, but also was also filmed at, at sites in, in the United States and especially at Douglas's um, uh, last home, which is in, in Washington, DC. So there's a, a wonderful kind of collaboration with America and um, a very important way in which we here in Edinburgh, I think, are being um, introduced in some ways to, to a really important um, uh, part of the city's history that I think many residents might be less familiar with. Frederick Douglass actually based himself in Edinburgh for two years mm -hmm. while he was campaigning um, across um, the United Kingdom and Ireland to, um, uh, for the abolition of slavery in the 1840s. That's wonderful. Uh, and um, I noted that, uh, that it runs through to October. Is that correct? It does, which is very is unusual for us. We our festival runs from the 29th of July to the 29th of August. But this is such a major installation and, and has involved uh, such significant um, amount of work and, and partnership with our colleagues at the National Galleries. And we, of course, wanted to make sure that audiences had the opportunity to see the work as, as long as possible. Um is it also available online? Is there any streaming? Is there anything like that so that for us over here, we have an opportunity to see it in any way? At the moment, it's only being, it's only visible physically within the gallery space. It's such, um, uh, such a special installation because the film uh, it, it builds this montage across multiple screens and that's harder, I suppose, to, to replicate in um, uh, on a computer screen. However, um, there are we uh, had a wonderful recorded conversation with the artist Isaac Julian and Celeste Marie Bernier, who's a leading scholar um, on the life of Frederick Douglass. And she is based here in the University of Edinburgh. And Isaac and Celeste made a wonderful conversation together, which was cited in the assembly rooms in the very room in which Douglas himself spoke um, in when he was here in Edinburgh, and we have that available to view on our website. And also, um, Isaac is working with um, uh, the Royal Academy in London to do a special takeover of the Piccadilly screens, the advertising screens in, in Piccadilly Circus. And there is there an opportunity, I think, for audiences towards the end of August to have a special AI experience of the work on their mobile phone. So we will, we could share a link with you um, to, for audiences to be able to access that. Yes, we were, um, I think it's very important um, for us to be able to do that. It's got such huge connections to the United States and it's mm. an important subject. And uh, so that, that's wonderful. But also none of this would happen if we weren't fostering the young artists as well and you have a fantastic program called platforms which i'd love us to be able to know a little bit more about and um and is there a sort of certain winners do you, you run you call for uh them to make submissions i saw in january but could you explain a little bit more about this platform 
that would be yes so um about five years ago i think we were very very conscious that edinburgh in the visual arts that it can be quite challenging for artists to find ways to present and share their work with audiences and with the festival audience in in Edinburgh in August because there's such a premium on space and you know every available space in the city gets turned into um, a stage or um, a, a pop-up gallery and so on. So about five years ago we created a dedicated opportunity for artists who are at the beginning of their careers to be supported financially but also curatorially to take part in in the festival program and we issue an open call every year for artists who are based in Scotland and who have graduated about two years um, before and no more than 10 years. To, and we invite an artists and curators to work with us to select four young artists who are then supported to make new work, to um, install that work as part of an exhibition. And we um, invite a writer to, to write about their work. And we also give them um, dedicated um, access to mentors to support them in, in the development of their practice. So it's been a, a developing project, but has been wonderful to see some of the artists who, who have come through that. And this year is a very, very strong addition and feels so critical to be, to be creating these opportunities for the next generation. And where are their works on show? So we are working with um, our partners, the, the French Institute, who are sited on the Royal Mile. And the platform exhibition, Platform 2021, is, is on display in, in the home of the French Institute, which is uh, just on the Royal Mile in Edinburgh. So right at the centre of the festival landscape. Oh, that's wonderful. So I, I hope we can work with you more closely on that because youth bursaries, our youth bursary program through our founder lord malcolm douglas hamilton is very important to us and we love being able to help in any way we can emerging artists and talent uh, so that i'd love to, to chat with you further on that and see how we can collaborate um that would that'd be wonderful and also um camilla we have alongside the opportunity for the artists uh, we now have a supported opportunity every year for a young emerging curator, so someone who would like to gain experience of working in, in a festival and a visual art environment. And we, we advertise for, for a, a paid programme assistant every year um, who works on the um, platform exhibition, but also gets the opportunity to experience the full range of festival programming. And, and it's a really great, um, amazing opportunity, I think, just to, to get that first-hand experience of working with artists and in a festival environment. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing all of this with us today. Um, we really, um, you know, are so glad to be able to connect with you. And the festival is running for a few more weeks, the art festival, and uh, the galleries, uh, so much going on. The Talbot Rice exhibit is wonderful with the wonderful pictures of Victoria and Albert and all the different things. There's such a richness of choice. So thank you very, very much. We look forward to catching up with you again very soon. Oh, thank you so much, Camilla. And yes, do do keep in touch and hope to see um, you in Edinburgh soon too. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and now we share a clip of Shimonik, a wonderful fusion of music and art, courtesy of the Pleasant Theatre Group.
I hope that we have brought the festival closer to you today. Edinburgh is truly Edinburgh, the festival city, as testament to the city and the community working together to make this happen. The reality for all of us presenting events is though we have come a long way from the total lockdown last year, there are large challenges to all of us who are putting on events. An example is the New Hampshire Highland Games, who have shared with us that they are topped at 4,000 person capacity per day for a three day festival that would normally draw over 30,000 people, a, a huge challenge indeed. All we hear from the Sterling Highland Games, who once again are doing a virtual the Highland Games for us to enjoy, hoping to claw back funding to help them towards their goals of 2022 with their very modest uh, charge to watch of $7. I hope that we all can try to make an effort to join them in meeting their goals. As president of the American Scottish Foundation, I add our thanks to all our friends, members, patrons, and listeners here today, helping us to share our love of Scotland. Thank you for your support. You can visit our website to learn more of our programming and the ways to be involved at www.americanscottishfoundation.org. Our podcasts are released the first and third Monday of each month, and our Sounds from Scotland music link up, hosted by Jamie McGeechan, is released live on the third Sunday of the month. Till next time. We can never say, say yeah.